Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 143. Share your life, Jesse. We are broadcasting live on Memorial Day from our worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. I tell you what, we just got back from a trip last week to sunny Phoenix. Sunny Phoenix. 100 degrees. Where, you know what they've got going for them? It's really hot. It's really hot. (laughs) But it's a dry heat. It's about, yeah, to be honest, if it's above 65 degrees on the East Coast, I'm sweating and soaking shirts and stuff. And tell you what, your sweat just evaporates. Just dries you right off. Just dries you up. And uh, But today we had a kind of rainstorm here on Memorial Day. And because you're because you're such a man, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how I was hoping you, you set this you up. You did the 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 Memorial Day CrossFitter workout known that's right. as the Murph. The Murph. Tell us about that. Brag well, about yourself. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you asked, Reed. I, you know, thank you for asking. Um, I did do the Murph today. The Murph is a hero workout named after Michael Murphy, who uh, gave his life in 2005 in Afghanistan. And it's 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 a mile run, okay. Hundred pull ups, two hundred push ups, three hundred squats, just body weight stand squats, yeah. yeah. And then another mile run. Wow. And uh, yeah, I did it. I and can't do the pull ups. That's the one thing that would get me now. I think the pull-ups. yeah, you would crush the push ups and yeah, push ups and squats. I could do. Probably could get through the run and no problem. But the pull ups, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on that right the, now. The push ups were are my struggle. Now, did you do it with like a? cement block on your back or something <laughs> like that. Uh, in the past i've done it straight through mm. with a vest oh this year i was feeling my age a little bit yeah. and i decided i was going no vest mm. and uh and i broke it up five ten so 20 rounds of five ten fifteen well done well and, done uh, that, that helped me to move quickly and my arms haven't shriveled up like this yet like they sometimes do so can, that's good can you get chat gbt to do a murph for you <laughs> <laughs> well, one day, send my robot avatar out. No more humans. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe my robot can do the Murph. Are you using ChatGPT at all? I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I've used it a couple times just I to kind of edit, yeah. edit, basically like sophisticated spelling, grammar, check. That's and, what I should yeah. do. Yeah, I've been I'm afraid of it. it I'm afraid it's going to take over. Our friend Ed is using it a lot. He's like doing funny stuff with, you know. He is making it speak like, you know, politicians and stuff, which is pretty, pretty funny. So, well, Jesse, it's good to be back. I feel like we've been hanging out quite a bit, man. It's been really fun. We've been uh, sharing our life together. Been sharing. I actually was thinking, um, I probably, every time I'm here, wear the same thing. I, it, this is for anybody that's watching this. This is for promotional purposes, right? The Bonhoeffer yeah, House. Yeah, it's Bonhoeffer we were... House, and then it's my it's our church, uh, oh, BBC. Yeah. Um, we didn't record them all on the same day. No, 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 no. <laughs> hey, hey, we yeah. did. We didn't take a month this time, though. We didn't. We're on. We're on pace right now. Two and a half weeks. We did sharing better. our life. We, we did better. Well, guys, if you're joining us, uh, first time in a long time, we're in a series called Real Witness, right? In a raging culture that we have a divided kind of people like to fight each other culture today. Uh, sometimes Christianity not seen so positively, depending on where you are and what implications people think about it. But yet we're called in the commission of Christ to be a witness, right? To share the good news of Jesus with other people. And what does that mean to do that effectively in our cultural moment? And so I introduced a, uh, I guess it's called an acrostic or acronym called ASLDAR, right? Because it's amazing. 
which means live your life among, share your life, share the gospel, listen to people, disruptive witness, uh, give good answers, and repeat. So we're kind of going through that in these episodes. And we did our first one, Jesse, which has been well-received by our listeners. I've gotten a lot of feedback. We're putting uh, video clips out regularly on the gram now, too, which is fun. And my intern, I have a, a special projects ninja this summer, Ooh. Colin Girardi. Shout out, Colin. What's up, man? Uh, who pulls quotes out of these, and we put them up now. So if you want to share those around in your stories with your friends to kind of promote the podcast, we'd love people to listen. Not because we make a dime from this, but we want people to learn how to maybe engage better with people in culture, something I personally just love doing, right? Yeah, wherever we go, God sends us and we have opportunities uh, to share with others. Now, in Asseldar, living life among, we did last time, which meant we have to be present with people. But what do we do there? Hey, I'm hanging out, right? I'm hanging out with the folks. The next two weeks, um, uh, this episode and the next will be about sharing. They're both titled Share. This week, Share Your Life. Next time, Share the Gospel. But today, we're talking about share your life. We're sharing our life, Jesse, That's together, right. riding in Ubers and hanging out in Phoenix. Um, what I mean by that is that, and this is something where the the plural you is kind of fun. The Bible has multiple different kinds of yous. We say, I guess in the South, you say you we all. We say y'all, y'all, not you all. You all. Just y'all. All you guys, maybe up North. Um, plural you. We want to share our life and that means communal as well, because I think there is a, an important thing yeah. to, when you're, we're together sharing our life with those who don't know Jesus. We want to share our lives with others, seek to understand people, serve in our world so that we might create a good environment for sharing good news rather than a toxic one, right? Because uh, we have that already. So, so what I mean by that, share your life, I mean just to have natural, real relationships with other human beings. And it's not too sophisticated, guys, here. This is something uh, I think is really important. When I say natural, I mean relationships that aren't contrived, right? They're not put-ups. I'm not trying to have a relationship with somebody maybe outside of the faith uh, simply for some end or outcome. In other words, like, hey, man, I better be friends with this guy so I can get him saved. Right now, obviously, I want everybody I know to have an opportunity to bow the knee to to put their faith and trust in Jesus, to have God as Lord, their allegiance there with the kingdom. But um, if you but if you commodify someone so that they're only your project to get to get this sort of result that you want, they feel it. That's right. right? That's contrived. That's right. That's right. And and it is true. We wanna we do like, you know, how much would I have to hate someone not to want them to, to trust Jesus? If I think, which I do, yeah, that that eternal life is only found through trusting in Christ, right. bending the knee, bowing, you know, receiving Him as Lord and Savior. Yeah. Then I want I want all my friends and family to That's do right. that. That's right. That's right. And so sometimes, you know, maybe if you grew up in a church or or been around a ministry that did some sort of evangelistic training, um, sometimes people get really awkward. Like, oh, what do I do? I'm, gonna, you know, I want to say everything perfect, and I don't want to be weird. And then all of a sudden they're acting weird, <laughs> you know. It's uh, one of the things I've encouraged people over the years: just be natural, be yourself uh, with other human beings, right? And this this uh, we'll get into a lot today, practically as well. So natural relationship, not contrived for an end or outcome, real, right? Genuine relationship, real relationships, caring about people, right? Having an interest in them, who they are, what makes them tick, what ticks them off, uh, having a real curiosity right, about other people. 
Um, and that kind of, uh, we find, you know, Jesse, we find, we found this past week, we had an Uber driver. I was going to bring that up. Who yeah. just wanted to talk, right? We were just kind of hanging with him for a few of us in the car. And, and he started to open up about some significant real life things, tragedies, difficulties, uh, the loss of a spouse that he experienced. And I just kind of sensed like, wow, this is a, this is He's really opened up fast. How do we go with that? It, we had like an eight-minute drive. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, dude, you went right yeah. into it, right? I mean, you were doing exactly what you're talking about, being curious, asking questions. The, the master question that I'll bring up is he mentioned that he hadn't talked to his spouse's family since it happened because yeah. they it was just they had a falling out. Yeah. And, uh, and Reed asked, you, you said, um, how would your wife have wanted you to treat her family? You know, yeah. if she could kind of come back and say, hey, here's what I'd want yeah. you to do. It was really interesting. He he still doubled down. Oh, she'd want me to do this. She hates him too. Almost. She, yeah. yeah. They never listened to her either. But yeah. that that opened the door to, to uh, you being able to ask about afterlife. What do you did, think did about an afterlife? Did you ever think he'd see yeah. her again? Did you guys share any common yeah. views of the afterlife? And, and obviously we didn't know what he believed. And, and then he just offered up right away. He said... Uh, I didn't believe in God before she died, but I do now. And then he said, I'm not effing born again. I'm not an effing born again Christian or anything. <laughs> yeah. At least, And then he said, at least not yet. Yeah, at least not yet. And so when we got out of the car, I might have said something like, we hope you get effing born again. <laughs> I might have said something like that, which was, yeah. but, but generally it was like, I just felt felt for the guy and just try to be curious yeah. and have a genuine interest. So we want to have natural, real relationships with human beings, right? If you want to look back to episode 138, respect the image that male and female mm-hmm. have been created in the image and likeness of God. That means we've been made who we are to relate to God and others and to fulfill a noble purpose in the world. And so every person needs respect. So sharing our life means, hey, if we live our life amongst people that don't know the Lord, we want to be ourselves there. We want to share our real life with people. Now, I want to give some cautions and concerns because this over the years has been a discussion. You know, you hang out, you know, this was a discussion in the time of Jesus. He was mm-hmm. hanging out with mm-hmm. folks, right? Um, if you read the Gospels, Jesus does hang out with people that have bad reputations, right? Who are kind of bad, you know, like, you know, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. He was a bad guy. He was a con man ripping his friends off and ripping off people. He, he was, it wasn't good for G, G like they know who these dudes are. Uh, a woman who was from the city, who is a sinner, some of the language of the New Testament that leads some to believe that Jesus was hanging out with prostitutes, right? And trying to share a life with them. And he was even accused, who's this man? If he knew who these people were, he wouldn't be doing it. If he was a prophet of God, he wouldn't do mm. that. Mm. So there, there is this tension, right? If you are uh, amongst people and really sharing your life and self, there are some boundary concerns that we have to take into consideration. Right. For instance, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, this great passage about the resurrection of the dead, like if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, what are we doing? Um, so he, he, this is the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, What do I gain, humanly speaking, if I fought beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die, right? Party, like just party, but don't be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Mm. So when we're sharing our life with people, we're walking with God in it. Right, we're walking by faith, trusting Him, obeying Him, even if that puts us in some places, right, that might might be difficult or might not be aligned under the Lordship 
of God. And so this is important, you know, and I've talked about this with friends over the years. You know, when I when I first became a Christian, I stopped doing certain things, right? right? Um, so my wrestling teammates in college, you would go out and do evil doing on Thursday, and I had to stop doing some of that, right? Because I was doing some stuff that wasn't helpful, advantageous to my growth uh, in my faith in Jesus. But at the same time, this is a problem, and you know this because you were in campus ministry, Jesse. We don't want to create this situation that happens often. Someone becomes a believer, right? And within a year or two, they know no non-Christians. Right, yeah. All of a sudden, they've uh, sealed off life mm-hmm. from everything else. That's a disaster for mission. So we have to have this tension in the borderlands between the church and culture where there's stuff going down that we're not down with, but yet we want to be present there, authentically ourselves sharing good news. And that's a tension because we don't want to get corrupted. It right? really is. And, and and of course, we have the revelation of God. We've got God's Word that helps us, but, the, but God's Word doesn't actually tell you uh, there are certain things that that you still have to use wisdom and discretion, right. and and um, and this is where I do think the y'all comes into play. Having a good church community where you've got people right. that can help you discern, right. like you know, should I should I continue to go to this event that I used to go to? And uh, well, I don't know. Can you go there without? So, so I, I think right. I think we, that's the borderland is the place where it's not clearly like okay should I keep getting drunk in order to witness to my drunk friends right well First Corinthians fifteen is like yeah. no wake up yeah don't yeah don't do that uh, should I continue to go to the place where they go and that's a harder question that right. requires wisdom and and I think it does require a good community. church community yeah because because my my answer to that would be yeah we should I, I remember my friend my friend Ming Ming if you're listening to this Ming was a guy who was working in corporate you know corporate job and he was. He, we were talking about this very issue of how, and this is New Jersey, right? Yeah. Like, hey, we want to be present with people that are outside of the faith, man, sinful people doing what they do, valuing what they do, but yet not getting corrupted by that. And he, were, I remember him saying, he's like, hey, my whole office goes to the happy hour uh, once a week, uh, right before going home. I go from work to this place, they get drinks, and then they go home. He goes, I never go to that because I'm a Christian. Are you saying I should go to that? And I was like, man, you should be there. Uh, you should be there in friendship with them. Now, if you have a conviction that you don't want to put any, you know, alcohol yeah, in your yeah. body, if you're a, a abstaining person who from that, don't drink, right? Get get your club soda. You do that or, all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't drink a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, I really don't compared to some of my friends. Um, or, or if you're a moderation person, maybe you drink, have one beer or something with them yeah, when you're present there. But like, you're the one guy that's never there. And these are relational times that people yeah, want. This is the they time where people, right. people are talking about their life. That That's they're right. not always doing that at work or mm-hmm. or in, in the classroom. That's right. That's right. The second concern, right? Okay, so bad company ruins good morals. Let's not get that. James four four. And I think the New Testament right does a really good job at both of these angles, wanting to be present for mm-hmm. the sake of folks coming to know know the Lord and being careful. Uh, in James four four, it says, "You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship?" with the world is enmity or hatred towards God. There, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And now, Jesse, you're a pastor. Help me, help me make sense of this, right? The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, right, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. But at the same time, same author, John, in another book, says, do not love the world or the things of this world. 
if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So can I be friends with people in the world? Can I be friends with the world? Sort, sort this out for me, man. Well, I'll do my best. Yeah. You know? so, so I would just say this is one of those, one of those uh, places where having good hermeneutics or Bible study kind of methods helps, right? Yeah. Because we, you know, the, the word is clearly used differently right. depending on the author, depending on the context, depending on the surrounding verses. And this is where... What's being conveyed there. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you can t- tell so much more about what John means in John 3.16 by reading John 3.15 and 3.17 in the surrounding context. When, when John, when, uh, you know, when Jesus says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, I'm sorry, this is John says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is right after Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and, you know, he's talking about being bored again. And and then John enters in and sort of expounds on this. Son didn't come to condemn the world, but the world would have life through him. And so, so clearly John in John 3, 16 is using this different than James does in James 4, 4. So in fact, I think in the New Testament, you don't even just have two uses. You could just say you've got the one use, which is the people of the world who That's God right. loves. That's right. That's right. And then another use, which is the negative use, uh, the the principalities of the world set up against the kingdom of God. Systems of thoughts and ideology that yep. set themselves against God. So yeah. those are kind of general even categories. Another way, like created world. But then you right? got another yeah, way, yeah. which is the created world. Yeah, Some yeah. way, which is like the earth. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Or the cosmos, the universe, the created order. And even within the... the sometimes, and you've got different arguments about this, you know, is the world the... You know, those people that the are elect or not elect, but yeah. the the general thing I would just say is you really have to pay attention to the context. That's you got to right. figure out That's what right. what does it mean in First John two fifteen. Yeah, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now here's the same author. Yeah, and and yet so he's clearly using these words differently. He's yeah. not he's not saying on the one hand, yes, God loved the world, but you can't, but you can't. <laughs> right. And if you do, God's love isn't in you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I do think you got to, you really got to pay attention to, is he talking about the systems of the world, the sort of worldviews or, or the kingdoms of the world set up against the kingdom That's of right. God, That's uh, right. then yeah, you can't love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really this, this particular teaching of the Bible is so very vital for real witness in a raging culture, because if, our non-Christian neighbors just think we hate them. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard to share uh, the gospel of Jesus with them. And by the way, can I put in a word here too? Um, the, the the this speaks to the limits when you're doing Bible study of word studies. Yeah, because you're going to find the word cosmos or yep. yeah, yeah, and, and you're going to look at maybe the root of what does cosmos mean. You're you know, and that, it helps. And I'm not against, against word yeah. studies, but at the end, end of the day, you really it helps more. What is to understand said. what is happening in John. That's right. That's what's right. happening in John three? What's That's happening right. with Nicodemus? What's right. what's what's the point that John is making to transition from Nicodemus to what comes next? The woman yeah. at the well, right? Yeah. What's happening here? Okay, now now we can understand what he's That's saying right. when he's saying, That's right. "God loved the world." And so, guys, we we're we're doing a little work here on this for the sake of. I really, we really do want you to be friends with non Christian. Like, and I'm using share your life, like. Be transparent. Have have them know you, like really know you, and mm-hmm. you know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't mean we adapt their beliefs, their practices, their systems, right? Because uh, a cultural world around us isn't always aligned with the kingdom, right? We talked about this a little bit last time. So, in our local community, I think we always need to be asking these questions: 
what what is loved here? So you mm. just think of your town, your city, and you can even think microcosmically, like in your high, local high school. What yeah. is loved here? What is centered as most important? Right? Uh, what is desired? What are the outcomes people want? Right? Um, who lives here? Right? What 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 are they doing? Right? Um, who are the bad guys in the opinions of non-Christian friends around you? Who who do they think are the bad guys? Might think it's you. And who um, are the good guys? Yeah, who are the good guys, yeah. right? And why? Yeah. Right? What makes them think that? These are just simple cu- questions, right? What's loved here? What's centered? What's desired? Who lives here? Uh, who are the good and bad guys? These kind of questions help us understand, right, people when we meet them. And, and look, we'll get into this later in Asseldar. You learn these things by listening, to, like, by listening mm. to them. If you don't listen, you're not going to learn it. So remember, uh, we ourselves are people in culture. Other people are, are people in culture. And we live in a community together. And so there is some overlap possible, right, and should be actual with Christians and non-Christians about things that we both care about, right? Mm. And these grounds are places, not, not, I'm not saying we have everything in common with, with non-Christians, we obviously don't, but there are places that we might care about similar things, and those give opportunities for real relationships, right? You, natural, real relationship with other human beings to take place. Now, there's a question many times, because uh, I shared this before on the podcast, Jesse, that, you know, about a small group I was in that had no kind of connection with non-Christians, because, you know, you're living constantly in homeschool world, church world, you know, world where there's nobody, but uh, faithful believers, or, or at least appearingly so. Um, how do we get out there? Okay. How do we get among so that we can share mm-hmm. our lives? And so this is something I think, Jesse, for you as an elder or church leader, and if you're listening out there and you're a pastor listening to the uh, Gospel Underground, this is something I want to encourage uh, you to just encourage your people, people in your friendship, in your church, in your community, to have a certain posture in the world. Uh, in other words, a posture of service, uh, of love, right? Genuine love for people and presence, right? Being there a lot, having a presence in your community. This is something in Jesus's key teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, right? That he taught Matthew chapter five, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp, put it under a basket, but put it on a stand so it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, right? Uh, so that they may be, they see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is one of those uh, wonderful tensions in Jesus' teaching that, that our good works of love and service mm-hmm. to others um, have a purpose when they are seen, not to glorify us or make ourselves proud or arrogant or make it about ourselves, but to give glory to God, right, who leads us in a certain way of living. We know this because later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, don't do your good works in order to be seen by them in chapter 6, right? You're doing that. You're doing some self-glorification, holding a big check at the charity event for yourself, right, rather than serving others out of genuine love and affection for God and, That's right. and our neighbors, right? And yeah, so, you get this picture, too, in Matthew 5 to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, of course, he's talking about hiddenness. Hide your, hide, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't and announce with trumpets when you, you make yeah, a donation. Yeah. Or whatever. And, and really, yeah. it's kind of like, hey, when you're out in the world and you're loving and serving your neighbor, this is a kind of lantern. It is a seen thing. That's right. right, right. When you are worshiping, when you are praying, when you are... Giving, giving to the church, this is a hidden thing. It's before God. And, and I don't think that's a, Jesus is making a strict, you know, public-private 
division there, but I, I think there's something to that, that That's he's right. saying, hey, listen, when you're mowing your neighbor's lawn, mow the, you don't, don't wear a mask. <laughs> you know, get out there and your neighbor should know it's you. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but you don't go around with a trumpet and say, yeah. I'm mowing lawns I'm in the neighborhood. I'm the best Christian guy because yeah. I mowed his grass, right? Yeah. This is something I think in First Thessalonians, one of the, uh, the the letters written to an early Christian community in Thessaloniki, as my Greek friend would tell me we should say it. Um, this is in First Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you okay, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your own hands as we instructed you so that... Now, this is constructed mm-hmm. a certain way, like, hey... When we're in the neighborhood, we're we're doing our work. We're taking care of our stuff. Yeah. We're being a good neighbor, right? Minding our business, right? We're not getting everybody else's business. We're not gossiping all over town. Work with our hands so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. This is saying you're a good member of your community. Yeah. You know, you try to make the place better. I my wife does this so well with like the way she serves in our community in high school and coaching Casey is is a faithful presence she really is man and she cares she cares about the environment our children are in but she cares about other people's kids and what's going on uh in the schools and and she she works at it this is important guys because if we have a presence of service good works love in our communities it actually changes the environment in which we witness I like to use the word, Jesse, our evangelistic environment, right? You don't share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people in a vacuum, right? Um, It is a place where people think certain things about historic biblical Christianity, maybe Christians they've met or not. And so we have to walk and live a certain way that might be helpful, right, to adorn the witness that we have. This is Colossians 4, walk in wisdom uh, towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech... Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So everyone's life has circles of relationships. We're enmeshed, networked creatures, right? Social beings. There are intentional relationships and unintentional, right? Maybe even serendipitous feeling. We kind of meet people. Um, Intentional is like, hey, I want to get to know that guy. And you try, right? You you try to build a relationship mm-hmm. with other people. Mm-hmm. Unintentional things just kind of happen. Now, I, I think we've all had those kind of relationships where, hey, it just kind of happens and it's kind of great and we all long for that. Um, but just because sometimes it's a little hard or awkward to be intentional to get to know people um, doesn't mean we shouldn't That's uh, right. make that effort, right? Um, so the evangelistic environment we live in are our circles of relationships, the things that are in the borderlands between the church, God's people, and the cultural worlds, right? People, ideas, thoughts, opinions, right? Um, existential issues. What do people think about where human life comes from? What is its purpose? Are there any ethics or morals that people value? What is the the end of life? What is our future? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that came up with our friend in the Uber right. right away. It's like, what is the end of this? I, I, I even said something like, you try to make something good out of it. And I just... I just ask, how do you do that? Yeah. yeah. How, how do you do that? 
So, and if we live a certain way, it makes the environment better yeah. in which we uh, witness. By the way, a word to my pastor friends. Um, you know, one of the things when we think about qualifications of an elder in First Timothy 3 that I don't hear that much about in pastoral circles is well thought of among outsiders. That's right. That he might not fall into disgrace, I think, is what, yeah. what the verse is. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thing to think about, especially in this Colossians and First Thessalonians language where... There's this idea of being um, engaging with your neighbor, of being right. someone who's full of salt and light, of being someone who walks properly and, and sort of takes care of his family and his yeah. life and, and manages things in a way that that um, uh, you know recommends him. Yeah, to those who are outside of the church. Somebody you you could even think of it this way: somebody in his office in his vocational workplace. If you say, "Hey." You know, Joe Lewis, whoever is is being considered to be yeah. a board member at our church, they're like, "Oh, wow, that's a good one. You've got a yeah. good one there." Yeah. Um, that thought of well by outsiders, but also hospi- a hospitable person, right? Yeah. Um, we 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 know able to teach, you know, moral life, right. you know, theology, all that. But like that's absolutely important. But so is right how we engage with other people. Uh, that there's there may be a little too many jerks for Jesus out there, and they have good doctrine, but yet they're not well thought of. That's right, because they're blowing up everybody. So Jesse, I wanted to spend the last little bit of our time today just to share a little bit, just to, for our idea file. Yeah. So so if you're out there listening, it's like, how do I go about doing this before you make it into rocket surgery or something, something very complex and difficult? It's really not. In fact, we want to encourage you to think through how does my life, how can we overlap, right, with people and culture um, in ways that are natural uh, and good, right? And so, um, Jesse, I think you were sharing with me about a, a, a little book oh, you were yeah. reading. Which it has a kind of interesting title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so this is this is actually a long story. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. Yeah. I've done this in a sermon before. That's where I first found this. Uh, I was preaching on hospitality, and I, I noticed that I had a book on my shelf that, in my personal reading, I I'd, I'd never decided I should read it. It's called uh, The Hidden Art of Homemaking. Hey, that, was, that wasn't your first go-to book? It wasn't. Uh, no, no. Yeah, but I was kind of looking around thinking, all right, what do I have here that yeah. in, in my library that might help me think about hospitality? It was written by Edith Schaefer. That's Francis Schaefer's wife. Um, and, you know, this is a, it's a dated book, right? Yeah. There's there's a chapter on um, flower arrangements. <laughs> and, and you'll note the dating when he, when she called. Oh, I'll just go ahead and read this. This is about hospitality in a, in a kind of, I think, evangelistic. And she and her husband, for those of you who may not be familiar with right. Edith and Francis Schaefer, they lived, what, in the Swiss Alps and kind of created a, yeah, a little home. Yeah. It was kind of part, you know, stop in and live for a little bit, part study center, part right. hospitality center, that they lived this way together. So go ahead. Yep, yep. And I, yeah, so, okay, so this is what she says. She says, there was a railroad running through the town, Grove City, where Fran was a pastor after he graduated from seminary. Often hobos or tramps, there's another dated. <laughs> no, hobos. <laughs> rather derelict looking older men unshaven and, and ragged of clothing who traveled by riding on the bottom of freight cars would come to the back door asking cup of coffee ma'am and maybe some bread wait a minute i'd reply just sit down there i'll fix you something 
It was too dangerous to invite such a stranger in alone with small children, but it would have been wrong to send him away. She goes on to say this. I would get out a tray. Now, this is, this is she just describes the whole process. You're yeah, going to be yeah. hungry by the time I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Although you're going to wonder about this, these sandwiches. Is there uh, a charcuterie no, board or no, something? Is, no, but there's like a walnut sandwich. But anyway, <laughs> I would get out a tray, put the kettle on, and look in the fridge for some leftover soup. By the way, she's got a footnote in the book. Of the recipe for this soup. For this soup, butternut squash soup or something. <laughs> corn chowder. Into a small pan would go the soup with the gas under, under it. I would cut bread enough for two big sandwiches, not too thin, he'll be hungry, and wonder what sort of home he, he had when he was a little boy. Oh, wow. And wonder who he is, and maybe he's an angel in disguise. I'd butter the bread, cut a lovely big tomato and even slices and pepper them, place them on the bread, and then decide to add bacon. I would sizzle one slice to fold over the tomato and add two leaves of lettuce. For a second sandwich, I prepare my own favorite. Walnut halves stuck into the butter, salted on one slice, and then the second piece of buttered bread put on top. I diagonal cut through the first sandwich, showed red tomato and green lettuce attractively displayed in the slash. The walnuts crunched as the knife went diagonally through the second sandwich. Alternating these four triangles on a lovely dinner plate came next with pickle trim on one and parsley on the other. Now for the steaming hot soup left over from our lunch. I put on a good, uh, put a good bowl of this on the tray, and the children would help me fix a tiny bouquet of flowers nested in an ivy leaf. What'll he think of that, Mommy? Priscilla would ask with big, wondering eyes. Well, perhaps he'll remember something in his past. Perhaps he had a very nice home once where he had meals prepared for him. Anyway, he'll stop and think, and we'll give him this little Gospel of John to read while he's eating. He can take it away with him, and who knows, maybe he'll do a lot of thinking and someday believe. Anyway, he may realize we care something about him as a person, and that's important. Wow. And man, I, 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 first time I read that, I was like, this yeah. is, yeah. you know, with, you maybe got to edit out the hobo and tramp language, but <laughs> this is hospitality, right? She's thinking about him as a person. Yeah. She's imagining his life. She's being curious about who he is. She's, and then the, the kind of arrangement of everything, the thoughtfulness yeah. that goes into this. That they cared. Yeah. They were, they were curious about his life. Yeah. I love that. Maybe he had and, a family someday, yeah. maybe, you know. Yeah. That's yep. fantastic, man. And and I love the way that quote ends, Jesse, and that's important. That's right. And and I think no matter what you do in your life, because we're going to talk practically here about ways you can live amongst and share your life with people, um, it's important, right? And one of the things that uh, makes it important is that we know God. He's invaded our lives. He's, by His yeah. grace, captured our hearts into His yeah. family, yeah. right? And so that everything we do, uh, whatever job you do, what, whatever the hobbies you may uptake, maybe the places you go in your community, these things can be infused with massive kingdom meaning. And not simply because it's an occasion I'm going to meet somebody and share and lead them to Jesus, right? Oh, well, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. But because God is with us in it, right? And that's important. That's important. Um, so, Jesse, I just want to share a few things that my family, and you, you can pop in as well, and share a few things that we've done over the years that have borne fruit simply to put us amongst people where we could share our lives. And so the first things you probably won't be shocked by is that with Casey and I, we were both, uh, we were both athletes and we're fading into our fifties now, uh, in our athletic ability. Uh, but we intentionally over the years have coached sports, right? I've coached wrestling teams. I started a youth wrestling team from scratch when I was a pastor and a church planner, when I didn't have time to do it because a guy saw my cauliflower ear at a soccer field where I was watching my five-year-old or something and said, Hey, we haven't had a wrestling team in North Brunswick Township, New 
Jersey. Uh, Carlos Socios was his name. Carlos Socio, hey, we hadn't started in 12 years. We've had no wrestling team. Do you want to start a program? Forgive me, Father. I knew not what I was doing. Um, the amount of time for three years that I was the coach of the North Brunswick Matt Raiders uh, was massive, but the overlapping with people and culture and the mm. relationships that formed and deepened with non-Christians was huge uh, for us in that. Um, yeah, same with me. I yeah. mean, you, you know, I'm, I, I'm a reluctant coach of my kids' soccer teams. And, You'll find that people like it when somebody volunteers. Oh, to man, coach I, the team. I, <laughs> I coached the team this year, and I finished the season by saying to all the parents and kids, like, hey, I'm retiring. Yeah. This was great. I <laughs> love you guys. The baton. And I had like five different parents come up to me and they were like, please yeah. coach again. Yeah. Because just to have someone that cares about their kids, knew yeah. their kids' names, taught them things, it, yeah. it meant a lot. That, and that's important. Right. Um, I'll never forget. Um, we were in New Jersey, Jesse, trying to move uh, our church. It was growing. We were seeing people come to faith. The church was getting bigger. Um, we were in meeting, meeting in the Days Hotel and Conference Center, which was a little downstairs, below ground conference center at a, at a hotel. And we were trying for three years to, to buy a building or find something. And I'll never forget, I met the guy who ended up being our commercial realtor, because I just saw this restaurant closing down that had some size to it. And I'm thinking, man, maybe we could do a church in there. And so I walked in just unannounced, uninvited. And this guy was there. His name is Nick. Nick was in there. He's like, what do you, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. What's this about? Can I rent this for our church? And he was like, who is this guy? Um, but we became friends through kind of a building search, right? Part of my job, part of his job. Um, and we just became f just kind of like buddies more than yeah. anything. And he would laugh. We, were, we went in this one warehouse that had literally chain cages up front. Um, I was like, we put the stage here. He goes, yeah, they, okay, you have to get rid of all these uh, chain link stuff. I was like, no, nah, it's kind of cool looking. I, I might leave it. He's like, what kind of church are you leading? And I was like, I don't know, man, but we'll, we'll play with that. Um, but the, 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 the funny thing that happened, he knew I was a minister and his family at the time was not in church at all. And he grew up Roman Catholic. I think I learned later his wife grew up Baptist, um, but they weren't in church at all. And I remember when his wife's mother was, was ill I was on my day off walking around Best Buy as I was ought to do uh, after dropping kids off to school. And uh, he texted me and said, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm in Best Buy. I'm just on my day off, just wandering around looking at stuff. And he's like, hey, my mother-in-law's sick in the hospital. I was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'll pray. He goes, can you come? Mm. Well, this changed mm. our relationship, yeah. right? I showed up, man. And, and long story short, we saw multiple people in this family through, through actually funerals and yeah. people dying. Love, serve, yeah. and presence. That's right. Came, became Christians, mm. right, uh, through this kind of reality. So, And I was just like, man, I just, I was like, yeah, I can come. I didn't know I be, kind of became his minister, but in his mind, I, I had. Yeah. Um, and they ended up coming to our church later. It was, it was fantastic. And we, we've always tried to say, hey, we want to do things with no strings attached, um, not so that something will happen later, but many times God does that. Yeah. Um, similar thing. We built a, a playground probably for a slum lord, lord in New Jersey <laughs> because we bought this old daycare center, turned it into a church, had a playground for itself, but the section eight housing that was next to 
our building had this just really dangerous old rusted out playground and it kind of just always bothered me. Mm. And I wanted, I was like, man, we, I want to build something for this community here. And, and, and then we found out it was owned by some very people that they weren't very nice. And we had this dilemma. Yeah. Do we build this playground for these owners basically? Yeah. Or so the little kids in the neighborhood and, and look years after we did that, there, there were folks from that community they were coming to like the old vacation Bible school uh, at awesome. the church. Right. And again, we didn't do it for that. And they were even asking, why do you want to do this? Do you want the kids from the church to be able to play? And I was like, no, we got our own playground. We just want it for the kids mm. of, the, of the neighborhood to have a safe and yeah. nice place to play. And we had people that were engineers who were able to put their expertise in some construction people who did all of that together not for an ROI. I even had a business guy. What's our ROI on this? I was like, I don't know, man. But our reputation, yeah. in the community, the evangelistic environment yeah. in which our church lives. How do you ROI salt and light? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a good name. What the yeah, proverb says: yeah. a good name is pretty valuable. And yeah. So, what are people in this community going to think when they think about our church? Do we help people? Do we serve? Do mm. we? What is our presence really? Like, and if you have a church building, what do you use that for pastors? What do you use it for in your neighborhoods? Are you thinking through that? How is it utilized by the community? Is there a mom's group that's, it can be started a single mom's group, even in your building that might be, we had one of our members do that, you know, new Brunswick moms, I think they called Mm. it. And they weren't members of our church, but they all had little kids and were not many of them didn't have uh, husbands or dads around uh, meeting in our building. Right. This requires, if you're a church leader, if you want your people to live in a certain way where they actually have time to live amongst people and share their lives with others in their neighborhoods, in their school systems, in their sports fields, that you can't over-program the church with church stuff. Because, man, that's a challenge. If somebody feels like they need to be at church stuff, you know, three or four or five times a week, um, they won't have any time for their community where I believe God wants people with faithful presence to to be living. And I think one of the ways that we've handled this at our church is um, sort of we want to we want to empower people in their in their callings and passions to start things. But we we are clear that this is not going to become a, a, a bring the whole church to a type thing. Like we're That's not right. going to do a Wednesday night group that everybody yeah. comes to. Yeah. We're gonna, we have small groups in the community and people's homes. Now, if somebody wants to do a Wednesday night event, okay, that's great. You can invite people, right. but we're not going to make it part of our culture to say, Hey, let's get out of the community and into the church building. Right. Unless, unless that's it's right. inviting the community. In. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so as we close, Jesse, I just thought it'd be good for us to ask just a few questions. Like if you're thinking through like, um, you know, how, how can I do this? How can I get out into our cultural world around us? Mm. How do I get in the community? Um, there's just a few questions we want to leave you with. One is that what are the ways that your life and family naturally overlap yeah. uh, with your community? And so, look, if if you are in a, a public school system, look, we've, we've got a whole podcast episode yeah. on Christian school, public school, homeschool, all that. But if you are happen to be in the public school system, boy, you ought to want to be there. Yeah. You ought to want to have a presence there to overlap life for the sake of your kids and other people's uh, kids, right? Um, if if you want to just do a little brainstorm thing, it's like, hey... Where are what are things I like to do? Yeah, potential points of connection yeah. and overlap. Yeah, yeah, and, and just take a little journal, open it up, and write them down. It could be like, hey, I like photography, or I like bluegrass music. Mm. You know, I like hokey football. I mean, it could be 
I like I like uh, Radford University basketball, softball. It could be anything right. where you can take your time. Think of your passions, your hobbies, things you would be doing with your own free time. Anyway, how can I do that uh, with a barbecue? <laughs> That's right. Uh, could could be anything. And and then as a church leader, if you're listening to this. In what ways does your church body overlap with your community? This is good for your leadership team to pray about. Think, where do we do we serve our church or our community yeah. in specific ways? Are there established partners where we serve, where our people can go, where you can mm. all go together? Perhaps um, are there ways you can use maybe even st- uh, you know events to create momentum and yeah. relationships instead of a another big program? Somebody else's stuff they're doing in the community. Um, I mean, I've seen our church champion local crisis pregnancy groups and things where people actually get involved with themselves. And I think one of the things that's so helpful when you think about a church is is actually getting your people out. So like, you know, I, I prefer as a pastor to get 50 people to go to the high school football game than to than to do an event on that night yeah. that competes with the high school That's football right. game. That's you right. Know, getting into the community, I think, is really important. Where the community is already yeah. living our lives. Remember, we're part of it. Our lives together. And so, Jesse, I just um, grateful uh, for God calling us yeah. right to be um, incarnate, living in this world with others. And man, I tell you what, it's it's a beautiful, uh, wonderful thing as we do it. Now, look, here's the thing, and we'll close with this. A lot of times when we say share your life, right, um, I, you've maybe heard this. Um, uh, I'll just share this little story. We were up and uh, some folks were going to tailgate at a football game. And we were just starting our church plant and folks were going to show. And somebody's like, hey, I'll bring some Heineken, right? Obviously, alcohol can be controversial. Uh, my dad, my dad has a drinking problem. I understand alcoholism. It's bad. Uh, the church sometimes has a relationship to alcohol that's that's sort of binary. You shouldn't mm-hmm. do it. It's evil, whatever. Well, in our core group, we had a guy that said, hey, he was objecting to this guy bringing some Heinekens to, to the tailgate. And so he wanted to talk to me about it. And I, I was like, hey, look, here's our position. Look, you can abstain gloriously. That's a really good way to yeah. live your life with no alcohol. That's beautiful, wonderful. You, you and your family... Um, moderation, not being drunk, not drinking to excess. That's also an okay way to live in our view. Uh, we think drunkenness is bad or prohibition where you're saying that guy's doing evil for drinking a be- one beer or something. Yeah. So we're having this discussion and, and this guy, he, he was a church guy, grew up in church. He asked me this question. He goes, what kind of witness are we going to have to non-Christians if we have a beer at a tailgate? Now, Jesse, my head, I didn't even know how to sort that comment. Right. I was like, what? Like what people are going to walk by and, and see us drinking Sprite and say, oh, you guys must know Jesus. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about how to be saved. I just had no category. But he had been taught yeah. that, yeah. hey, if you drink a beer, you blow your witness or something. Yeah. Here's the thing. We have to be present with people. Sometimes they're going to be involved in things that you may not think are, are great or savory. You don't have to adopt them for your own mm-hmm. lifestyle. But you do have to learn compassion and li- literally learn where people really are living, right? In order to share with them and to share your life with them. And look, you may, you don't want to act like you got no problems, like you don't have yeah. sinful temptations, that you don't that you don't need God 
or need friends. And so I really want to encourage you, be authentically yourself with others. Mm-hmm. If you if you got angry at your family the night before and you blew it and yelled at them or something and you have a real authentic, standing on the soccer sideline with my friend Jack and he's talking about his marriage problems, I am, you know, being authentic. I'm not yeah. going to out my wife or blow her up or gossip about her. But I was like, yeah, man, man, sometimes I lose my, lose my temper with my family. People need to see that we're a real human yeah. being and authentically need Jesus, repentance for our sins and faith, and we need God's help, right? Amen. Not that we're perfect, righteous people who are better than everyone. In fact, when we live that kind of reality, uh, the questions start to come. It's like, mm. hey, how do you deal with this? And then we have an opportunity because we love Christ. We'll talk about next week to share to share good news. Amen. Yeah. So this is. I mean, I love this. This is the borderlands. Yeah. I mean, this we this is where we exist is sharing our lives with our neighbors. I love it. That's right. Jesse, thank you, brother. Uh, I'm grateful for the serendipitous meeting of you and you being my friend, Amen. and that we could be friends with uh, Uber drivers in random places in Phoenix, Amen. and that we could host the Gospel Underground podcast together because we the, we do this in partnership with the organization on your shirt every week. That's right. Uh, the Paul Navarros review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. Send your comments, feedback, questions you might want us to take, questions you might have for us mm. to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue, living life amongst people, sharing our lives in the borderlands between the church and culture. Hope to see you Come there. join us. Come join Peace. us. Let's go. Keep, keep it going, God. Amen. See Amen. you guys. Peace.